Thank you for listening to the Weekly Market Outlook. It is our pleasure to bring an industry-leading market analyst to provide you with the most value possible in your farm business. Please reach out anytime by emailing cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Agview Pitch. We are heading into a new week, middle part of April, so we're 11th through the 15th of April, kind of in our market outlook here. Uh, one thing I want to mention before we get rolling here is the AgView Executive Business Conference scheduled for January 25th, 26th, and 27th. Make sure you mark your calendar down for those dates. Uh, we've got an announcement coming here in another week or so. Um, some pretty exciting stuff, some great speakers, and we'll announce the location and some of that stuff. So again, save the date, January 25th, 26th, and 27th for the AgView Executive Business Conference. With that said, we are lucky enough today to have with us Grant Schemick with Black Oak Financial. Grant, how's it going? Good, Chris. Yourself? Uh, doing really good. Uh, excited to have you on here. You're, uh, we haven't had you on for a while, and um, uh, in full disclosure, we work with you, and you, you do a great job of kind of paying attention to a lot of things. And I guess, you know, we, we finished last week pretty strong at the end there, I guess, just from a, I'm, I'm going to start out with the technical side, I guess. I didn't exactly know where we'd start with you, but um, you are probably one of the foremost experts understanding kind of what's going on from a technical standpoint. What are you seeing um, with some of the volatility we've had? And what are you watching? Oh, uh, well, in the, in the big picture, and I think this goes for a lot of, almost every market, and that is that we are 24 to 25 months from the extremes of the COVID panic of that March, April of 2020. Mm-hmm. And my experience has been when you are 25 bars, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, from an extreme, up or down, it's time to pay attention. So the corn market, for example, had it its low was April of 2020. So here we are 24 months out. I think that yeah, we can keep we can keep pushing, possible, uh, but I I think that we're close to a major turn. I'm not convinced that we're going to be higher into June. I think we could see this culminate before mid-May, and that's not typical in the sense of we lots of times we're going to go into June and find an extreme in the grain market. I think given where things are at, we're we're closer than that. The tough part is finding the the price per bushel or the extreme what that is that's much different to say i'm not confident that oh we're gonna we're within x many cents of it i I think we're very close in time and unfortunately in a week you can traverse such a wild range that we'll have to just roll with it Uh, as far as some bigger picture things and one thing i want to make sure i mention it was a a bank of america piece that was out in the last few weeks and it was just talking about how extreme the move has been in the CRB index total return uh, total return index compared to prior extremes that we've had. So what we're what they've seen is that in this past year to date, we've had the largest percentage increase in that CRB index total return fund ever. So that, that a bigger percentage increase than World War One, New the New Deal, World War Two. Yom Kippur War, 1970s oil shocks. What that says to me is, is not that everything's gonna 
revert and we're going to go to bear markets, but we are at a great risk of a reversion to the mean event that really shakes the tree. When we look at macro cycles like the agricultural production cycle and the uh, cooling of the earth with uh, the ice age, uh, mini ice age cycle type thing, we can have, uh, you know, I think we're going to be much more bullish over the next few years in general, especially for food production. But with these kind of percentage increases, the reversion to the meeting can shake the tree pretty hard to the downside. So that's what, you know, the, the, the big thing that I see uh, in front of us in the, the next few months. So pay attention to that. You know, you're, you're looking at it from a technical perspective. So I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Um, look out. Uh, we, we might, we might've seen the high then you're saying. I think we're close in time. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think they're very close. So, so let me ask this then too. So, you know, we've kind of had the perfect storm to push prices higher, um, throw a couple other elements into the discussion here now, um, the Russian-Ukraine war. Um, mm-hmm. You can throw all these other things in there too, and I, I'm just going to throw them out there, and then you, you pick and choose or uh, blend in what you think is significant. But we've got... The war going on, you've got massive inflation, um, food insecurity threats or concerns at at the least. You've got the dollar, the value of the dollar. You've got interest rates and you've got the funds all playing in the middle of this. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, talk a little bit about that. Pick and choose, I guess, because there there, there is like an alphabet soup of, of stuff to pay attention to right now. Absolutely. Well, there's a number of people who are good at very very good at timing events and so forth. Uh, they have models that uh, can predict these significant turning points. And one is uh, one date that comes up a lot that's been significant for this would be like April 18th. And obviously, it's a major holiday. You have Passover and Easter this year coinciding, I believe, on the same same weekend. And uh, that could be very well a, kind of a, a flashpoint or it could be something where we calm down probably the, the main kind of going back to the spirit of the of the moment anyway the one problem I have with this with a high being in as far as right now is that I haven't had anybody really call me with a hair on fire there's no panic yeah and so that's probably the one thing we lack and that I don't have anybody call me convinced that there's a whole nother two, three dollars a bushel that's just got to happen or whatever the, the amount is. As mm-hmm. far as the situation with the U- Ukraine and Russia, it's been a, a, a global sea change event. I mean, it's been the death of globalism. And just to review if, how important the last, um, you know, since February 28th has been for the world that we live in, where we're going, is that in the in the early 70s, we was 71, Nixon took us off the gold standard, but simultaneously, Henry Kissinger had uh, basically negotiated with Saudi Arabia to peg the dollar to oil. All purchases in the world had to take place in U.S. dollars. But what's happened in the last couple of months is that's effectively started to, I can't, you can't say it's over, but you have 
Russia demanding to be paid in rubles. And, and on a side note, yes, the, there's been extreme sanctions on Russia, the ruble tanked, but lo and behold, this week, it traded higher than it did before the invasion relative to the dollar. Mm-hmm. And we've also had China now be buying oil from Saudi Arabia in Yuan. And, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are aware that the administration, the U.S. presidential administration called Saudi Arabia in the past 40 days wanting to ramp up oil production, and they didn't take the call. So we have that as a major event that's going to affect all our lives over the next five to ten years, and it's very inflationary. But the thing about this inflation is it's not going to go on a straight line. It's not just up, up, up. There's going to be violent corrections, and then, yes, we'll take off again. But the the big part of this war has been that. For the, that'll be in, the impacts of it are going to take years to unfold. Mm-hmm. So what what does that mean? I mean, what do you you're you're talking about? You know, watch the threat of the near term you know, what, what this market could do. We, we, we're right. sitting at some really strong prices right now. We're looking at, um, you know, when I, when I look at this from our perspective and, and it's a pretty simple vantage point or a simple look is our cross section of our clients, basically where these prices are at. A lot of our guys are our, our average sales, just basically looking at profit managers, just short of 40% sold both on corn and beans, pretty close to the same percentage. Um, yep. With a wide variety from, you know, I can I could find a few people that have very little sold, and I can show you some people that are 100% protected, sold, mm-hmm. covered, and everywhere in between. Um, what makes you comfortable with all of the everything you just discussed? You know, what what's the what are the things we should be doing as producers from your perspective? You know, I know you farm some too. And, you know, what, what should we be doing as producers and, and legitimately paying attention to to make sure we protect ourselves? From my personal opinion, based on the return on gross dollar invested, most operations that I deal with are going to be in excess or well in excess of 30% return on a gross dollar invested in corn. Or, and somewhere in the 20% plus in beans at today's prices. So in that context, I'm comfortable being, and probably this since we got up to this 7, 10 zone plus on corn, I'm comfortable being 40%. Mm-hmm. And I can envision that we could we could spike this thing to, you know, it, it's, it's possible to go to 798, 10 on these corn. Why not? Maybe, who knows what's possible inside of a two-week window. But I'm willing to be for at least 40 is where I'd want to be, and with a with a committed sale, maybe uh, maybe to 50. The difference is that that individual. Some people will just spiral at at those kind of levels. Mm-hmm. But I think you've got to look at protecting it, because if we do get a reversion to the mean event, we're going to shake everything down, including input prices to a degree. Mm-hmm. And the big long term picture is still very inflationary. So if you don't have some revenue booked at what are historically you know, top 10% of historical returns and we do get a reversion to the mean and now it's time to step out there and start buying inputs for the next year, uh, 
it's going to be tough psychologically to say, well, hey, I'm only uh, I'm 20, I'm less than 15% or whatever the number is, and now I've got to spend huge, huge dollars. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it takes some intestinal fortitude. So maybe you, maybe that individual can handle it, but you better kind of use your imagination on how you would react given those opportunities. What do you say to the, to the people? And I guarantee you there's people listening to this that are in this situation. I'm in it. You know, we, you know, there's people who started their sales in the low $4 range and now you've got over seven for DS 22, for example, and they sit there and, and beat themselves up on that 10% or 15 or 20%, even maybe that they sold it quote unquote, too low of a price. So then what happens is you become paralyzed and you don't continue doing what you need to do. Do you have any advice for people to manage that emotion? Because that's one of the things that I think a lot of us need to get over. I was talking to a broker the other day that said he'd had his butt chewed a few times because they had been buying puts along the way and rolling them up. And, and uh, there was a couple producers, you know, mad about it. Well, welcome to risk management. You know, nobody knew this was coming. Nobody, you know, how do you, how do you tell people to kind of manage that emotion? And, and cause this is a risk management margin business, right? You know, how do you, yep. how, do you how do you talk through that? And, and, well, number one, it's always, a matter of degree if you bought if you covered everything up and you've, you've spent a lot of money with those strategies and that is tough mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think you have to focus on the average right because you start focusing on the worst sale and what do I got to do to make that better well lots of times you guys who have done even if they started that early a lot of them still have averages somewhere between 590 to 650 yet with where mm-hmm. we're at so yeah. uh I caution on that. And in this think back when we do get big shakedowns, like 2008, when we were at similar price levels, if you woke up every day and you bought a put option from January 1 to end of June of 2008, that was within uh, 50 cents of where the market was trading at any, any day, not just any day. I believe if memory serves me right, every single strike price would have been in the money by the time we got the fall of that year. Mm-hmm. Is that possible this year? I wouldn't rule it out. Now, do I, I obviously don't think it's sustainable, but that's what can happen. So now I've, I think you've got to focus on returns and, and not get hooked on those you know, absolute dollar, uh, you know, 10% sale or whatever it was. And, Right now, it's hard to, without spending a lot of money or putting even more money at risk to to reown. Right. You you almost have to go out and and, and look for some bigger opportunities in time, and there mm-hmm. will be corrections that come. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it today, but they will come. Yeah. Well, and it, like I always tell people, it's way way better to have a margin target, knowing your cost, and then having that margin target than it is a price target because price targets are about impossible, and you know you can manage the risk, but to to pick the higher the low is impossible. Um, I want to go back real quick though to something you said. You know, you mentioned corn, and then I, I'd like you to hit it on soybeans too. Back to the technical for a minute. You mentioned you know seven ninety to eight ten potentially, and that's probably just you with your technical vision and seeing everything. What's, what's the downside to that on corn? If you know, if 790 to 810 is 
is the possible technical numbers, what's the downside, and then also what's that kind of range for soybeans in the near term? On on corn, uh, in, in exactly where do I? I'm just glancing at a, a D's corn continuation chart. Mm-hmm. So if you if you go out to, well, if you, if you look at the highs of in this case 08, because the all time high was August of 2012, we got up to the you know 7.99 area. The high in 2012 was 8.49, and and partially a couple things have happened this week with corn. So the rollover gap that took place when the the D12 went off the board and D13 became the lead D contract, we closed that gap this week when we got up to 7.10, 7.12. The other thing you'll notice on the D2012 contract was is that we hit that high on the 10th of August of 2012 at 8.49, and then we dropped into early September of 2012 and, and the low was probably like 705 and some change. And it basically traversed from there and set to about 770 until it went off the board that in 2012. It, it got to that 760, 770 zone, dropped to 709, 710, and then back up. My point is, as of yesterday, we've closed it was back within that range. So maybe you know, the, the big next big hurdle instead of 800 is probably going to be 767, 70 if we could get there. Uh, but of course, that those prior highs, everybody's going to be looking at them. And on the as far as what's possible to come back, I don't see why we can't go back to the five dollar handle at some point on in, in the in mid to late year. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot, but that's not catastrophic. It's compared to where we've come from. Come from. And then other times when we've been into this price zone, we've fallen a lot further. Now, I don't think we're, my guess is we're not doing that this time, meaning in the 08 time frame, you went from a high on Deese corn in June of that year of 7.99 and a quarter to a low of 2.95 by the time, of 2.90 by the time we got to December. Now, I don't think we're doing that. And, and the same can be said for, you know, in 2012, we, Within a little bit longer time frame, it took we ground down to those levels. But we can go back and check crop insurance guarantee, and the same thing could be said with beans. I think why can't we get back in? You know, something under thirteen dollars, maybe even check twelve at at some point in the year. Mm-hmm. On the upper side, on the beans, we've been to fifteen fifty five on no beans. We did it in the month of February. Well, we, history says you probably can jab that, but. It, I like, uh, you know, if you don't, if someone doesn't have anything done here and we're in the 1490 to 1510 zone, I'd do some defense because uh, if we stall out here and then turn down, well, that's not a positive. And mm-hmm. I should, I should mention going back to corn, I believe, you know, we're, we're right upon the average seasonal high dates in corn on, on beans. We, we tend to have some tests of seasonally in early, early May. So, the point is we're close mm-hmm. on those and yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the best things that I think a lot of us can do just from a practical perspective is, you know, we're, it, the weather's been cold. We'll talk about that in a second, but you know, the weather's been cold. It's been crappy in a lot of areas. 
soil temperatures aren't where we're going to be able to plant probably even for another week in most areas yet, except with the exception of the south. So, you know, one of the things is sit down, figure out kind of where you're at, truly where your percentage is, where is your margin, stop looking at the, the low sales and look at that margin and then you know, maybe put some offers in because, you know, what happens is we all get busy, right? And um, mm -hmm. when when the planters are rolling, sometimes that's the time to be making some sales or doing some things. And it's the time we look right. at what's going on the least. And so, I mean, talking to people like yourself, getting those offers in and having that plan right now is probably more important than any other time of the year, maybe, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it will put some wish orders in whether they're on sales and if you, if you're, if you're typically making 10% sales and you can't bring yourself to do it, we'll make a 5% sale and mm -hmm. do something. Uh, right. If it's, if it's options and you, you look at it and think, Oh, they're expensive. Well, look at the strike price levels you prefer and put a wish order in. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you don't get it, no, no loss. But if you do get it, it might end up being one of your, you know, you're basically, if you like the net dollar protects, then it's probably worth shooting for. Mm -hmm. And I think last year for, for those that have always historically done that and have been putting in targets, every single target a person put in got hit. So it's starting to train mm -hmm. some people to not do that. But I, I think, right. you know, if you start changing your, your marketing, how you market, I guess, and you change that you're chasing something that you'll never catch then probably too, right? <laughs> you know, be consistent. Yeah, I mean, that cha changing your strategy when, when the emotion is high is typically <laughs> a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. So battery, you've got to make a compromise between the two. So, I mean, you walk, you don't do committed sales if you feel like it's all bad, but you have some kind of worst case mm -hmm. scenario strategy in place. So you don't feel like you, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback after everything is done and then say, well, I should have done this and I wasn't managing risk. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, true. Is there anything that we're not seeing, um, you know, in from, from 2019, 2020, and even the first part of this year, we've had just like this massive amount of black swans. I mean, we used to talk about a black swan and we've had a, a mm -hmm. freaking whole um, like flock of them for two and a half years now. Is there anything that we're not seeing that you're looking at or that is a, a good thing, bad thing, threat that we haven't talked about here? I mean, you know, inputs. Um, I, I mean, we can all, especially the world we're living in, you, you start to sound just uh, so negative when you think about, you use your imagination to think of all the negatives. The negatives can, you know, as far as price goes, can be both directions. Uh, I the, the structural nature of the energy market is the most bullish factor that we have for all for all things for for inflation across the world mm -hmm. economy. Right, and it does not appear to be better because we we the main thing that's happened is we we lack structural investment in oil exploration mm -hmm. because the powers that be currently academically, socially, allowed us voices perceive it as as environmentally negative. So at all costs, they don't want to do that. But we don't have a viable replacement for those things. But the truth is we have the lowest oil exploration in 75 years. And the, mm -hmm. the prices going up haven't really accelerated like it has in the past. So even though I, I really 
I, I doubt we've seen major highs in energies. I think in the next year, uh, year and a half, we're going to see much higher energy prices. So when we, when, and right now, you know, if you look at it, we're well off of those highs and the deferreds are cheaper. So keep your eyes on these deferred, these long-term uh, pr prices for especially 2023 and do what it takes. You know, I know some of the people listening, especially in the Eastern Corn Belt, some people have a hard time getting con, you know, feel contracted to any length of time right. in certain pockets. Do what you can get get mm -hmm. storage and get uh, act, get these products on on farm when you can. So I think that that's going to be a long term theme, not just mm -hmm. we're get high enough when all of a sudden we're flooded with production. I don't think so. Yeah, that that leads even me. Some, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say even some of the things like what the administration did in the last couple of weeks with opening up the SPR, they they opened up so much that it, it's at risk of actually forcing shutdown of some production because so much is coming out of the SBR. So it's actually going to compound the situation even in the short run. Once the once the SBR release is over, we're going to, you know, we'll, we may have actually even had a forced shutdown of some production for that. It's amazing how unintended consequences sometimes kind of really can, can screw up a, a, a strategy or whatever, you know. Right, right. <clears throat> um, so this kind of leads me to, to my last kind of question here, and you, you started into it, so it's a good segue on the input side for 2023. Um, we've been rolling our 2022 profit manager plan, financial plan from 22 to 23 in a number of operations. And when we do that, it's interesting, you know, there's a lot of fixed costs that are pretty much set for 23. And so we have a pretty good idea on... Uh, you know, in some operations, as much as, you know, 70, 75% of the cost of production is, is pretty well known for 23. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you've got a producer that can sit down and really dial in those numbers pretty close and there's not a land, a lot of land rental um, price increase that's going to be significant or, you know, any of these other things, you know, machinery equipment, um, if they, if they can have a known for a lot of those what what makes you comfortable with 23 sales or are you because you know you look at you know if we're approaching 650 you know nitrogen's up this year from last year on average in our database about 52 cents a bushel in terms of cost of production you know we look at you know we all think about it in terms of cost per ton or cost per acre or whatever but i like to go back to per bushel and then relate that right back to your marketing decision and when we look at that it looks to me like there's some pretty good opportunities in 23 to lock in some pretty major opportunity. What's your thought there? Given you can drill down that number and you're making it, making it based on returns mm -hmm. and, and, and so you know the risk you're taking by in many cases, probably not having nitrogen covered. Uh, that's fine. And, you know, as far as in that 10 to 20% zone, the difference being just the individual, uh, the long run picture to me, I think will will be much higher than this in in the next couple of years. You say you think it will this be where much we are. Higher. I believe I believe it will be. Okay. But and I, that might sound conflicted because I'm I'm really cautious here as far as this crop year for this moment we're in here over the next say 
two to two to four weeks. But in the, in the long run, I'm not sure. I'm cautious on committing to those things because I don't because the things that have gotten us here, the the inflation driven by supply chains and lack of confidence in government, and that's probably the big one. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are going to wake up and six months and be more confident in the elites making good decisions for for us, especially in the Western world. So um, I'm not, I, I definitely would, would do some, but, you know, make sure you're, you know, the risk you're taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Manage, manage that careful. And it is a long ways out yet too. You know, you, you, you look out there and look how much stuff's happened in the last, you know, two months, what's going to happen in the next, you know, 20 months or whatever, you know, or, or 12 yeah, months. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess that's, that's really all I had. I think that's kind of a, a great place to wrap it up. Um, any, any other final comments that you have and, and things that, that we didn't hit on? Well, probably the only thing that has changed this week and it's something that you rarely see because we always get, everybody gets their ducks in a row well before this. And usually by the end of February, people's acreage mix is pretty well set. I have had a couple people this week talk about shifting acres out of beans over to corn because the profitability now is getting so so extreme that they were just willing to go aggressively into corn because it, it made sense. Uh, it did end, end up maybe in some cases shifting them to a high percentage sold on um, the beans that they did have, but the profitability per acre on corn was getting so high that they were going to now start swapping out and going back to corn. Yeah, I, I that that report <clears throat> back to that didn't surprise me a huge amount. We've been working with a lot of seed sales reps this winter too, and almost every single one of them was telling us that you know our bean sales are up quite a bit. But yeah, I've heard the same thing that there's a little bit. Do you think that's going to be enough to to matter though? Because I think there's a lot of people that aren't going to change anything too. Do you think that's enough that'll do True. anything to True. the market? I I think we'll, we'll the wind will blow and we'll have we'll have some shift over mm-hmm. the corn. Yeah. Now that that's a that's a big statement to make here. It's Mar- it's April 9th, and there's not a part of the corn belt that's had anything of consequence done. So mm-hmm. if we so if we get to uh, second week of May and we're we haven't made a lot of progress, well, probably it's a is a moot point then. Mm-hmm. And that that might be the thing that drives your technical number back up to that you were talking, you know, that 790 that. 810 is or is it or do you feel like the weather market's already built in i mean it seems like uh, something's well, built in here <laughs> well planning delays is may not be you know mm-hmm. built in here yet but you know and, and weather going back to you know the weather nothing nothing for the summer is necessarily built in i mean you could end up having and this can be said at any point this early in the season who knows what the weather is if you you know we, we have what some uh, forecast, weather forecasters are talking about very uh, dire weather scenario for, for production this summer. Well, that's that's different, isn't it? But mm-hmm. that that can be said any year. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of that weather premium is yet built in. But we also, you know, what if if we did have some kind of uh, ceasefire of consequence in Ukraine, wh- how much of that is is in this market right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah. at this stage, isn't it a good 80, 90 cents bushel on corn and probably all that on beans? Probably. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the the grain that is in the Ukraine that hasn't been shipped is still there. Yes, it's not it's not able to move, but it, it's not gone. Right. And some of those things look bad now, but things can change. Mm-hmm. Hey, Grant, I think this is a great conversation. Good place to wrap up. Really appreciate your um, your uh, input and your expertise in so many of these areas. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks, Chris. You bet. And uh, really appreciate everybody listening also. And we will catch you again next time on the AgView Pitch. Mm-hmm.